The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Uh, God bless you all. Welcome if you're visiting with us. Uh, I am not going to be preaching today. Uh, a dear friend of mine, someone who I love very much, is going to be preaching. And, and I'm thankful for him, not just for the friendship that we've had for multiple years now, one of my best buds, uh, but also from this pulpit I recognize that I'm a young man and that for this church to mature, for this church to grow, it's going to be very important that from the pulpit of this ministry uh, that there be wisdom that I don't have that there be many years of experience of walking this walk of faith that I don't have that this church needs to hear from occasionally. And that's why any time that I bring someone in, it's someone many years my senior, and that's not just to call you old, Wally, but, uh, but I love him so much so I can, I can poke at him like that because he knows how much I love him. But, uh, uh, but he's going to come preach to us now, so would you please just welcome him with me. You're going to help me on the stage? <laughs> well, good morning. I always appreciate Pastor Ben calling me old and uh, because I am old. I am old. And uh, when you look at Ben and how young he is, we're all old. And, uh, well, first of all, happy Valentine's Day. Now, let me tell you something about Valentine's Day. It's not my favorite. Now, I don't know how many of you went through this in school. There's nobody here my age. Anybody here my age? Anyway, when I was in school, in grade school, we had to take a box home and fill it with valentines, bring it into the class. Everybody. So in that class were people, were boys, I really didn't like. Some of them were bullies. Some even tried to whip up on me a few times. And I had to bring him a valentine to say, would you be my valentine? That's sickening. That really is sickening. <laughs> so I've grown up not liking Valentine's Day. But happy Valentine's Day. I think it is a great day to show your love for one another. And uh, it's a great day to preach. Uh, I'm going to, uh, you know, Ben asked me to preach. Oh, it's been several weeks ago. Uh, I wanted to preach, and I will preach, one of my favorite verses out of the Old Testament. Uh, but, you know, it's been three weeks I've been preparing, erasing, preparing, erasing. I started off with an hour sermon, and it's up to two and a half hours now. So I want to try to watch the time because it is important that we get out of here at a certain time before the big snowfall. But I'm going to talk to you today about uh, uh, the walls, the walls of Jericho. And I know the walls of Jericho in the book of Joshua is, is more of a kid story. It's more a kid story. And, uh, you know, you see the walls of Jericho tumbling down and, and they even have songs. I forgot what the song was. Somebody want to sing the song of something about Jericho. But... Uh, 
But I want to read, uh, I start thinking about walls. What, what, do, what, what do the walls of Jericho mean? You know, I preach, I love preaching over, in fact, Ben said, uh, well, I see you're preaching out of the Old Testament. Well, well, yeah, of course. So is the Old Testament today, is it, is it a key to a lot of the problems in this world? I believe we find more, more passages in the Old Testament that teaches us about what's going on in the world today. I want to talk to you about walls, what walls are, what they represent. But I did come across something. I'll show you how I get kind of sidetracked. But here's a, here's a speech, if I can see it, that I, uh, that I copied down. It says this, Tear Down This Wall, a speech by Ronald Reagan. You remember Ronald Reagan? Okay. Huh? Yeah, something like that. Here's a little speech by Ronald Reagan. Just, just, just a little snippet. It said on June 12, 1987, President Reagan spoke in West Berlin, near the border with East Berlin. His speech of significant puts significant pressure on the new Soviet leader, Mikhail Gorbachev. While Gorbachev was making some some economic and political reforms in the Soviet Union, Reagan believed that he needed to do more. In his speech, Reagan issues a challenge to Gorbachev that he must be he must help start the end of the Cold War. In the 1950s, Gorbachev predicted this, we will bury you. We will bury you. But in the West today, we see a free world that has achieved a level of prosperity and unprecedented in all history. I'll cut down to the chase here, but Reagan ended his speech saying this, General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, if you speak liberalization, come here to this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, open the gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I remember that growing up, tear down this wall. You know what, what, the, the, what, what this means, though? On November 9, 1989, the wall came down. Not by Gorbachev. Not by Gorbachev. It came down by the people. The people of East and West Berlin tore the wall down. So today we want to talk about the walls, not in Berlin, but in our lives. Walls are barriers that keep something out or keep something in. And I hope to answer these, some of these questions. Is the Old Testament still to be studied? Is God the same today as he was then? Does God require obedience? Does God still tear down walls? When we talk about walls, we talk about the walls of Jericho, we talk about the walls in our lives. And I know this is a pretty good-sized crowd here today, and uh, I know that Satan places walls in our lives. I know God places some, some, some walls there too, and we place walls, but you know, Satan places walls in our lives. He believes this. 
Satan believes he knows that frustrated Christians are ineffective Christians. These walls continue to grow and try to separate us from God and serving him. These walls are real. Listen, these these walls are real and very formidable. They're hard to break down. Some of these walls represent a lot of things. They represent doubt, fear. They represent um, secret sin. But here's the big one. Some of these walls represent this. A couldn't care less attitude. You ever see a couldn't care less attitude in the world today? There's a lot of people right now are frustrated. And I know Ben last week preached so hard on, on, on some of the things going on in the world today, I decided not to do it because he upset everybody in the world last week. And uh, half our leaders right now are running for their lives. Most Christians, most Christians have this attitude. I, I couldn't care less attitude. So today we want to talk about, we want to talk about the wall of Jericho and what they mean. Right, let me tell you. Let me tell you about a, a young man I knew that had a that Satan had placed a wall in his life, in his mind. Young Christian man that, that helped me coach baseball. I coached his, his son in baseball. We were good friends. Attended church regularly. Was was a believer. One day we had a conversation about about God. He said, "Well, I'm done. I'm done with God." I'm done with God. What had happened was that uh, his mother was dying of cancer. He had asked God to give his mother one day, one day peace, no pain, just one day. You know, his mother died the same day. He has never forgot that. He's got a, he's got a wall right now in his mind that God let him down. He is not the same person. In fact, I think he just got arrested here not a couple years ago. But these are walls that Satan placed there for a reason. He places them there so that he can control us. I've got walls in my life. I'm going to ask you here a little bit. I, 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 won't, I, said, I, I think I'm going to have everybody stand that, that has walls in their life, but I won't do that. But I bet everybody in this room, there's a wall in your mind of something. But today we want to talk about the Old Testament. Some might say the Old Testament is just old. It doesn't have a lot of it, but I believe the Old Testament has many answers. I like great men like this. Noah, Moses, Elijah, Elisha, one of my favorite. Daniel and the lion's den. Moses, Noah, great men, heroes of the faith. Habakkuk, anybody know who Habakkuk was? It's hard to even find that book, but there's a book called Habakkuk. Let me read one verse that Habakkuk, Habakkuk said. He says, O oh Lord, how long shall I cry? You will, and you will not hear. Even cry out to you violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. Sound familiar? There is strife and contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless. And justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, 
perverse judgment proceeds. Habakkuk could say that today, and it would ring true. So why do we study, why, why study the Old Testament? In the book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 4 says this, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Today, as we look at Joshua 6 and Joshua 7, we will see how God deals with the walls in our life. How faith overcomes walls, how it can be overcome the evil walls in our lives, no matter how strong and frightening the powers of darkness seem to be. So with that, let me ask you to bow your heads and we'll begin. Father, thank you again for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your precious word. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunities we have, Lord, in this world. We, we pray for our country. We pray for our world. Father, we pray for New Covenant Community Church. Pray for Pastor Ben and, and, and a group of people that lead this church. Father, we thank you for today, Lord, as we talk about walls in our lives. I pray, Father, that those who in this church right now who may have some issues with, with walls in their lives, I pray, Father, right now you help tear them down. So thank you for this time, Father. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Joshua, uh, beginning in, in verse, actually the last three verses of chapter 5. Last three verses of chapter 5 of the book of, of, uh, of Joshua. In verse 13, it, it says this, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn, sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped him and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Navy, army, Lord's army said this, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. I want to tell you today, I try to make this as simple as I can because I, I, can get, I can get carried away doing things I shouldn't be doing. Here's what, here's what the Lord said to Joshua. In verse 6, verse 1, chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. Nobody went in, nobody came out. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given you Jericho in your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all your men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And the seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. But on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with a ram's horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the walls of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. I want to ask you this. I'm a, 
I've been around a little bit. I've, I've, I've been in the service. I know we got a lot of servicemen here. Some guys had fought some battles in, in Vietnam and different places. Have you ever heard of a battle with such a simple, simple direction? If you were, if you were Joshua and you had seen the city, first of all, you've got to understand what the city of Joshua, the Jericho was. Let me just tell you a little bit. It was surrounded by a great earthen rampart and bank embankment with stone retailing, retaining its base. The retaining wall was home was some 12 to 15 feet high. Do we have a picture of that? Up oh, there it is. 12 to 15 feet high. On top of the, on top of the wall, six feet thick and about 20 to 26 feet high. At the crest of the embankment was a similar mud brick with, with whose base was roughly 46 feet above the ground. This is what loomed high above the Israelites as they marched around a city for seven days. Now, can you imagine looking at the city of Jericho and saying this? Here's how you defeat it. March around the building. Do this for seven days. Blow the trumpet, everybody shout, and the wall fall down. Most scholars today do not believe that ever happened. If you read stories in the, uh, uh, the Battle of Jericho, most believe it's just simply an earthquake. It's just simply an earthquake. I look at I look at the walls of Jericho, and I see the the people in Jericho standing around the walls, watching. Here they come, marching marching towards Jericho. They're getting ready to fight, and all of a sudden, they just go around the, around the walls, go back, they leave again. The next day, they do the same thing. The next day, they do the same thing. God's plan for the walls of Jericho was so simple. Even Joshua had to say, okay, okay, God, that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Now, tell us how we're going to defeat these people. Can you imagine? It seems so foolish But God said, do as I say. You were talking about the God of, 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 of the Old Testament. I wonder if God today looks at us and says, just do what I say. Don't do this. Don't do that. Do this. If you do that, things will be fine. God's one condition. In verse 18 says this, after the walls fall, and you by all means abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse. But all the silver and gold, vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So God said, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the walls of Jericho. I'm going to give you the city of Jericho. March around, march around, march around, blow the trumpet, say, yep, shout, it's gone. I want to ask one thing. Don't take anything that I told you not to. In verse 20 it says this, So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. 
Then the people went into the city. Every man straight before him, they took the city. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a simple plan because that's, that's why people don't believe this ever happened. Because God had the power. Does God have the power to do what he did? Well, of course he does. Don't forget this, though. In that city was a lady named Rahab. Everybody remember Rahab? She, she had a lot of faith, a lot of faith in hiding the spies from, from the Israelites. She was saved because of her faith. So now the city's gone. Israelites have succeeded. Except one man. One man named Achan decided that, hey, you know what? That God ain't going to miss this. I'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. This is what happened all the time, folks. Because of the one man's sin, 36 people died in a battle of Ai right after that. The Jewish people were humiliated. Victory was guaranteed, but not automatic. God does not require obedience. God does require obedience when answering our prayers. You know, as we read further in the story, and we and I, listen, I, I'm going to knock Joshua down a little bit, okay? I, I believe Joshua is a, is a mighty guy. I'm, I'm going to pick on him right now. I'm going to pick on him. I'm going to tell Joshua, man up. Man up, Joshua. Starting in verse 7 is a, is a pretty sad commentary. It says this, But the children of Israel committed trespasses regarding the cursed things. For Achan the son of Karma, the son of Zabdi, Joshua left, Joshua sent men from Jericho. Spoke to them saying, go up, spy out the country. So these men went up and saved and spied out the country. Right after Jericho, Joshua decided to take on a little, a little place called Ai. They'd already spied it out and figured, well, there's nothing there, you know, so we don't need to ask God what to do here. We just go do it ourselves. They got defeated. 36 men died. They were chased out of that country. I want to kind of I'm going to concentrate on verse 6, 7, 8, and 9 because I think this is not unusual. The men of Ai were struck down about 36 men, chased him from Jericho. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. And verse 6 says, Then Joshua tore his clothes, fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening, he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said this, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan River just to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites, to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content. Oh, that we had been content just to stay on the other side of the Jordan. You know, um, I was talking to a man here in our, our church last Sunday, and uh, 
We were talking about um, when God gives you victory. God gives you victory, and all of a sudden you get defeated. What's the first thing we want to do? Whine, cry. Why, Lord? It would just been better if we just stayed where we're at. I knew it wouldn't work, God, but you told us to do this, do this, this. It didn't work. I knew it. Whine and cry. I um, I've actually did an interpretation of this. Um, not, it's not as good, but um, here's my here's my today's interpretation of what Joshua went through. Joshua and his leaders. I say this in verse six. Here's what I would say they would say today: that we all got angry. We all got angry and started posting our anger on Facebook. We stayed up all night blaming each other. And some of us prayed. And the rest of us went back to Facebook. Who are we angry at, God? Blaming Him rather than ourselves. Surely can't be our fault. Sort of like blaming your parents. Oh, I hate this one. I shouldn't say this. but uh, Sort of like blaming your parents for the trouble you got in even after all they did and tried to do. I interpreted also verse 7, which says this, Later we cried to God and asked Him if He still loved us. I knew it was a bad idea, God. Why didn't you just leave us where we were? We were content. You brought us over the Jordan and just left us. Now our enemies are going to destroy us. Oops, wait a minute. And then we Facebooked some more. And after all he had done, we still aren't convinced he loves us. My interpretation of verse 8, what do we say now? We will be the laughing stock of this region. Others will turn their backs on us. Verse 9, many will know our weaknesses, those in other countries who despise your word. So after a great victory in Jericho, it, it God just it designed just for Joshua and the Israelites. They fail one time. And Joshua and his men, his leaders, fall to the ground. Woe is me. I love the... Uh, the I love chapter 7, verse 10. It's one of my favorite. Ben knows this. Ben's used this a couple times. Here's what Joshua did. So the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why do you thus lie on your face? Joshua, after defeat, was laying face first in the ground. What do we do now? What do we do now? What do we do now? Praying is fine. Praying is great. But sometimes God expects us to act. And there was a woman not too long ago that I know from our former church that had put on Facebook that she needed, a husband needed a job, they needed food, they needed a new place to live. Now I want to tell you what the response was to that. You probably already guessed. Facebook response was, I'll pray for you. We're praying for you. We got you. We'll pray for you. Wait a minute. Why didn't somebody say, um, hey, um, I know where there's a job opening. 
You need some food, I'll bring you some food. You need a place to live, I, I think I will help you with that. Why don't people do that? It's so easy to say, I'll pray for you. God may give you a shovel, but he doesn't expect you to lean on it and pray for a hole. Really? No, I mean, that's a... I wish I made... Ben actually wrote that. No, he didn't. God, he may give you a shovel, but he doesn't expect you to lean on it and pray for a hole. Get up, Joshua. Get up and go do something. And finally, Joshua took, took his advice. So what are the walls in your life? How do you tear them down? Don't let the walls in your life keep you from enjoying life and serving God. God is so powerful. Go to him, seek him, love him, trust him. So many lessons we can learn. Here's a lesson that I think a lot of times we, 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 we don't read. Chapter 7, verse 11. God tells Joshua this, Israel has sinned. They've also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the cursed things and have both stolen deceived. And they have also put among you their stuff. Verse 12 says this, Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before the enemies, but turned their backs before the enemies. God says this, Because they have, because they have become doomed to destruction, neither will I be with you anymore. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the cursed things from among you. The same God today is that the same God today that we have? Does God expect that kind of an obedience? So have you thought about some of the, some of the walls in your life? Some of the fears and doubts? Some of the self-pity? You know, I do a lot of funerals and I, I, I talk to people, a lot of people. Uh, they've lost loved ones, and they, many of them have walls in their life. Family problems, children problems. I'm sure nobody here has children problems. Uh, drug problems, alcohol problems. But it's, it's, it's split the families in half. So when I do a funeral, a lot of times there'll be this side of the family over here and the other's family over here. You wonder, why don't you set together? Well, because 37 years ago, this man said this. Okay, so I'll forgive you, but we're not going to set with you. Those are walls that Satan puts in your mind and are hard to get rid of. I've got walls in my mind. I have walls in my mind about uh, cats. Anybody love cats? You like, Camden, you like cats, don't you? Good, good. I remember, see. Um, you know, I'm an, old, I'm an old guy. I'm an old army guy, an ex-cop. I'm a mean guy. Nothing bothers me. 
Nothing bothers me except God has placed in my mind a wall. Don't look out that door because there's a cat standing out there and it's cold in the snow. Serious. Now, listen. I've got three in the house. I can't take any more. We had one cat recently show up every day and every day, and all of a sudden it's gone. A couple of days ago, it showed back up. She's at the sunroom door going, meow, meow. I'm going, no, no. <laughs> but you know what? God has, God has taught me lessons. How to be kind to animals. Jim, Jim's kind. He's, he's got possums he used to keep. I don't want to keep a possum. But, uh, so I brought the cat in. And anyway, so long story short, come in our sunroom and hit the, we got a cat tree. Jumped right in that cat tree. Stayed there all night. Next day I went out there still in that cat tree, warm and cozy. And I'm going, Lord, I don't know what to do. I could have just opened the door and kicked him back out. Can't do that. God has placed my mind a wall that says, Wally, this is what you should do. Anyway, I call a place called Colony Cats. You ever hear of Colony Cats? It's, um, it's in Dublin, Ohio, and uh, they come and got it. They, they're going to put it in a nice house. And that was after we fought with them for 45 minutes trying to get them in a cage. Scratched me again, bit me again. Uh, but you know, there are, there are walls in our lives. You know what are walls in my life right now? It's, I still have some hatred. Okay, say that, man. Can I be honest? The last election, I, I'm not going to get into too much of this, but the last election, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. Please, Lord, save our country. Now, you can guess for yourself what that was all about. Got up the next day and the next couple of days, whenever they announced the results, and I honestly thought this. Why, why pray? Didn't work. There's... 70 million people is praying, and it didn't work. But I know this. God has a plan. God has a plan, so I had to turn it over to him. I did this, and I just said, okay, God, cheers. Take care of it. But there's more to do than that. You've got to do more than pray. You've got to do more than pray. Please listen to me. If this church hears nothing else today, which maybe you don't, you got to do more than pray for Pastor Ben and New Covenant Community Church. We can all go out there and gather around the building and walk around six times, seven times, blow the trumpet, yell, shout. Uh, but if people don't do what God expects them to do, the church won't grow. Great pastor, great leadership. We'll pray for you. We got you covered. Okay? I don't want to do anything, though. No. So I've got about some a few lessons, and uh, here's what I learned when I when I was when I was going through this. I, I think I've had about four points that I hope brings us in, brings us into contrast. It says this: the best fighting soldiers, listen, the best fighting soldiers bow the lowest before the battle. 
You know, when we, um, when we begin a battle, we should begin to battle on our knees. But how low do we bow? We bow the lowest, as low as we can bow. We should bow to the Lord as low as we can every day. Bow, when we bow the lowest, we win our battles. We win our battles on our knees and our faces before the Lord. You know, we create so many walls in our lives today, we can't figure out how to do, how to climb them, how to tear them down. When you want a victory in your life, the victory starts before the, before the fighting starts. And number two, when we follow God's plan, we partake of a certain victory, and he is glorified. He is glorified, not us. There's a verse in Romans 4.21 I want to read real quick. Maybe I don't. Here's a key, though. When we pray, get out of his way. Let him have the glory. Make it about him and not you. Unbelief looks at the walls and giants. Unbelief looks at the walls and giants, but says, but faith looks to the Lord. You know, when I, uh, a friend of mine actually comes here every once in a while, uh, told me several years ago, uh, kids were having marital problems, her, her grandkids, or maybe it was her kids. She said, Wally, I don't know what to do. So I got on my knees last night and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. God, Please, take care of my children. I'm out of it. I can't deal with it anymore. You know what she did? The next day she went right back and got on the phone and got into it again. She asked God to take care of it because she couldn't. The next day she went right back trying to get in and take care of it. Unbelief looks at the walls and giants, but faith looks to the Lord. Philippians 4.13 says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hebrews 11.30, one of my favorite verses, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. But the faith of the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Number four, trust God for the impossible. Romans 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lead not, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, he shall direct your paths. My prayer is this, when the walls get so big to hinder your relationship with the Lord, hit your knees, and don't forget, there are people in this church willing to help. He can't do it all by himself. God will expect all of us to pitch in and help him. You know, um, I think about where we are as a country right now, and there are things we need to, we need to fix, things we need to do. But if God, if God can, if God can destroy the walls of Jericho, then God can do anything. 
Sometimes we need to look. We need to look at where we're at. But here, make no mistake. Make no mistake. The devil is a real devil. Every conflict is a contest with Satan and his forces. Even some of the little conflicts. For that reason, the Bible says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. You know what a stronghold is? The walls of Jericho. So what are these weapons? Prayer, worship, scripture. When we pray, we engage the power of God against the devil. When we worship, we do what Satan did not do. We place God on the throne. When we pick up the sword of the scripture, we do not when we pick up the sword of the scripture, we do not do we do not do what Jesus did in the in the wilderness. We do what Jesus did in the wilderness. He responded to Satan by proclaiming the truth. And since Satan has a severe allergy to the truth, he left Jesus alone. Satan will not linger long. Please, remember, Satan will not live, linger long. God is praised and prayers are offered. And because of God's promises are unbreakable. Our hope is unshakable. So how do we break down walls? Break them down with prayer. We break them down with action. You know, I think... Um, well, there's about th- three and a half hours more on there, but I'm not, I'm not going to go there because uh, let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. Uh, well, first of all, let me do this. Let me ask you about your heads. Nobody peeking. Nobody looking around. I, I do this a lot of times. I look at. I see somebody looking. <laughs> all right, Jake. Don't look. If you understand in your life that there are walls right now that keep are keeping you, are keeping you from serving the Lord to your capacity. If there are walls in your life, no matter what they may be, it may be something simple. It may just be unbelief. Uh, I've tried it before. Uh, it doesn't work. Uh, just let it go. Everything will be fine. If you have a wall like that in your life, uh, just simply do this real quick. Just real quick, I want you to just raise your hand and bring it back down. Real quick. Oh my, oh my. Good, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, you can look now. A lot of people raised their hands. So what's the answer? Can't be him. Well, can't be help. He'll help. But turn them over to God. Now, if you don't, listen. God's a long way away sometimes, and we have the, we have a, group of people here, men and women, that will pray with you. Some of these some of these walls are serious. Some of these walls are very serious. I would say this, I would suggest this, that you turn it over. Turn it over to God. If he can flatten Jericho, man, he can do anything. Okay? Mash your belly heads, we'll pray. Are you going to come up and pray? Okay. Okay. All right. Are you ready? Okay. Would you stand with me as we pray, Father? You are indeed able to take care of the walls. 
that we face in our lives. So many times those walls are the very things that sit between what you intend to bring to us. The blessing of a promised land. So how foolish we would have to be to not trust you and the plans that you've given us to overcome those things, Lord. Father, it's humbling. It's scary at times, but, but we must circle those walls with faith. We must circle those walls knowing that you're able to do what we cannot. That what others think must be taken by force, we can see you overtake by our sheer obedience that makes no sense to this world. That's completely illogical to the thinking mind, the things that you're able to do. We trust you in it, Lord. Be with us as we pray and worship together. In Jesus' name, and all the church says, let's sing and worship. <laughs>